hello, hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Schmoozing with Avi, hosted by me, your host, Avi Benrosh. So, hopefully we've got a very exciting and enjoyable and educational episode coming up ahead. If it's not, I sincerely apologize. I have definitely tried my best, uh, but yeah, hopefully you should enjoy us. Let's get on with the show. Hey, so here we are. Uh, we are here with a new guest, the infamous Joel Yuko. He has joined us here all the way from Edgware, United Kingdom, from my uh, homeland of London. Um, Joel, take it away. Introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. Uh, we're, having, we're having one rule on this podcast. Much to this dismay of most of the listeners currently, uh, we will not be talking about what for United. Uh, the uh, that is completely off limits. Um, but other than that, Joel, the floor is yours. Introduce yourself um, and yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Firstly, thank you uh, so so much for, for having me uh, on the podcast. Uh, I take immense gratitude um, to your offer of having me um, and it's truly amazing to see the, this podcast you know going from strength to strength um, and I uh, can only wish you um, immense for its continued journey um, just by the way I want to I just want to say this is in honor of your grandfather by the way who's currently in surgery at the moment he's in recovery he's in he's recovery, in recovery. Hashem. So, if you you're yeah. welcome to say his name for people to dub him for a referral. So um and everything will be okay. Fine. So take it away. So I I guess sort of the topic, um, or sort of one of the fundamental parts of sort of my appearance on this podcast is discussed my relationship um with Hashem. And, and I think having a relationship with Hashem. It's not just as easy as saying I have a great relationship with Hashem. I think with every relationship, there's going to be the highs, there's going to be the lows, there's going to be the good, and there's going to be the bad times. And there's definitely sort of in all relationships going to be you questioning whether there really is a relationship, how valid my relationship is, whether this relationship is for me. And I, I think I've definitely been through that. Um, when I was just 14, I under I underwent quite complex open heart surgery for subaortic stenosis if there's any medical students listening i can literally see you going onto the internet to search what that is and uh asking themselves if they can take a medical history of me please note the answer is no i'm joking uh, um we'll get everyone, but, um, everyone in the dms hit up joel yuka <laughs> so uh so, so so yeah i i think sort of do, do you want to give us do you want to give us a little background into before life was like in the hospital? So just to sort of give some kind of background, I had a chest infection when I was nine or 10 years old, probably caused by being one of those that would be playing football in the playground, even when it was hailing down with rain. Um, and you know, after a few days, hadn't really recovered. So my parents took me to the doctors to get antibiotics, sort of as a standard practice. And the doctor who listened to my heart through a stethoscope and noticed that there was sort of a crunching kind of beat. It's what you call a heart murmur, sort of a very irregular heartbeat. Um, so he told my parents, I was sent out the room that, um, you know, that he's not particularly happy and sort of the next day I was then off to see a specialist pediatrician in Great Portland Street Hospital who ran some uh, examinations and you know seemed puzzled himself that was uh, the first moment in which my entire family freaked out my uh, my mom's parents who are living in Liverpool came straight down um, my dad's parents in Israel um, you know considering calming down it was a the first very scary moment um and then the next day i was then on to on my way to harley street clinic uh, which is in fact um, a hospital one of the biggest um most specialist private hospitals in the uk studying um specializing in cardiac surgery 
and I went to see um, a guy called Professor uh, Professor John Deanfield, um, and I had like a forty-five minute um, scan, and he basically said, like, it's just an irregular heartbeat, it's a bit of a leaky valve, like nothing to worry about. We just need to monitor it. So I was having annual monitoring um, every year, um, and then when I was thirteen, I it was in the February of year nine. I had my annual checkup. And I go to I go to the I go to Professor Deanfield, and um, you know he, he takes one look at he, say, he takes a look at my heart on the ultrasound scanner, and he, he you know his face just like drops like there had been quite a significant deterioration, and bearing in mind like he's a professor in cardiology, he's you know he's seen it all before, but even then like he you know he he was quite surprised that it had been quite a significant deterioration, considering twelve months earlier that um 12 months earlier you know he said everything's fine everything's you know looking quite settled so i obviously freaked out as did my mum i think my dad was in a toy fair in germany at the time um and my mum called him straight away out of the meeting and just said look like Joel's do you understand what was happening during this time do you realize the extent of what was so I, I mean, he said to me that with a, with a 30% chance of, of open heart surgery and I would need to have further tests. Um, As a 13-year-old, how, uh, how does that affect you? So you at the time, I completely freaked out. At the time, I completely freaked out. I, I didn't really know where to put myself. Um, so what happened was they sort of, we sort of ended the appointment there because nothing was just going to get through me. Like me sitting outside in the waiting room while I was having the doctor was having a conversation with my mum was going to be equally distressing as me being in the room because you know when you're outside you, you're, you're thinking the worst and you're literally breaking down as a child when a doctor's having a conversation about you with your parents mm-hmm. so the cardiologist called my mum the next day and basically said I know I said 30% chance because I didn't want to get the idea out of Joel's head completely and I didn't want to rule it out to him completely however we, we think we're looking more like 90% so like a 90% chance of surgery so I went down, um, uh, you know, he gave me the green light on YCIT, Baruch Hashem. Um, and I, you know, I was really, really stressed out. I would sort of, just to kind of give some context, my behavior in school, uh, in Yavna College, sort of rapidly deteriorated quite quickly because I was sort of behaving badly to sort of, to sort of cover up my stress, cover up the anxiety of what was potentially going on in my body. Um, not to say that I've ever been perfectly behaved in any lesson at all. Like, definitely you know, talking, that. Yuko 2.0 became Yuko 200.0. Um, I mean, and to be fair, Yavna College, which was my school at the time, was being amazing about it. Like, I was practically being allowed to get away with murder without actually murdering anyone. Um, and um, this, this, yeah, was year, year, this was year nine when you, this was, yeah, so this was year nine. So, just for our American listeners, that is, I believe grade eight grade eight yeah, yeah grade eight I think so so to throw another knuckleball in now I'm really really stressed we're not really sure what's going on cardiologist said we're going to do some ex- more extensive stands scans in August and then we're going to take it from there to throw another knuckleball in there just before YCIT I mean there's a bit of hush process in what I'm about to say but my house burnt down uh Wait, I remember I remember you telling me about this yeah my house burned down hush process um firstly my tefillin and my dad's tefillin were in the one room which didn't actually get touched by the fire but also it was my cousin's bat mitzvah and Baruch Hashem the entire family around the house um the uh the house fire happened because uh the washing machine exploded um you know I was yeah which was which was quite scary um and when it happened you know when that happened Sort of so really did point you, of did this. you know over Shabbos that this had happened and someone come so it was on the Sunday night? Away? It was on the party. It was on the party on the Sunday really? night. And my wow. uncle was speaking. My dad's phone starts vibrating in his pocket like mad. He runs out, weren't to see him again. Um at the bar mitzvah. I think our best family friend called him out uh to say your house is on fire. Next thing you know, it's fire brigade according to say, Yeah, just so you know, we've uh broken into your house because it's in flames. Um and um, yeah, also my dad ran out. My mum knew quite quickly, but sort of wanted to keep a brave face. My uncle, my auntie were, you know, they were bugging out. Like, where the hell is my dad gone? I think they sort of, to a degree, getting quite offended uh, yeah. that he'd just gone out on. You I know, feel like he had a, a fairly decent excuse. 
So <laughs> as soon as they found out, because um, we didn't want to tell them during the bar mitzvah, because otherwise, yeah. you don't want a family event, uh, you know, another yeah. family drama to, you know, it's been quite a lot of you for family yeah. dramas, but you don't want a family drama to ruin <laughs> a family simper. Um, yeah. So we told them, I think we told them the next day. I mm. think my mum's dad knew. Um, I think my dad texted him just so he knew as well. And we sort of went, six of us somehow slept in a two-person flat with my grandparents. It was wow. very, very nice. And then we went to live in a village for the next, like, six weeks, village uh, village hotel. Mm. You know, it's really good stuff, but it's not quite the, inter- the intercontinental. Um, <laughs> so, 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 how, so this was all the while going on before your surgery? This was all going on before my surgery and before, like, I'd even been told that I was going to need surgery. And, like, it was, like in the bang in the middle of my anxiety mm-hmm. of, for the, about the potential of needing surgery, not actually being told I need surgery. And um, yeah, the pride going on my surgery. So it was a really, really horrible time. So this you must know, have been a, a very tough time for your family as well. Like, so it being, was. Dealing with the stress of, of a child having to get surgery is, is tough enough to have your house burned down. Wow. Mom, so it like, was. Hard. It was, but from my point of view, the fact that the, uh, the loss assessors granted us a new TV free of charge, granted me a new laptop uh, following my admits, which I didn't actually get. And, you know, like, oh, it, was, it was amazing. Uh, um, it was, it was always looking on the positive side. Right. Yeah, I'd always had. And to be honest, kind of at that time, like the World Cup was on. So it was like, you know, it was, it was good what, distractions what in the this hotel. Was, this is 2016? 2014. 2014. 2014, 2014, sorry. Was it the Euros? Whatever, World Cup, Euros. Mm-hmm. Even I'm a football expert and I don't remember all the years. Um, so yeah, I went on YCIT, very I had a really good time. So YCIT, YCIT on YCIT. is Yavne College International Travel? Israel, or? Israel, 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 Israel. sorry. <laughs> that does make a bit more sense, yeah. Um, yeah. So what, so yeah, what, what is, on, explain YCIT just for... It's literally just sort of three weeks in Israel, or was it 19 days in Israel, going around with your friends, your teachers, and sort of learning about Israeli culture, Israeli history. It's sort of like Israel tour in year 11 or grade 12 in America. That's sort of early, so I sort of got to go on tour twice. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, and um, yeah, I managed to, you know, as so I went, and you know, my anxiety was quite bad. I couldn't do some of the hikes with the heavy lifting, whatever. It was really scary. Mm. Um, you know, it wasn't as scary because I felt left out, but also because of what was going on with the house fire, I was sort of missing out, missing on, missing on what was missing out, what was going on at home, and to throw another knuckleball in there. Uh, it was also the time of the uh, 2014 Israel Gaza conflict. Um, oh, wow. What, what, Yav- yeah, so suddenly it became Yavne College Israel Tour to Yavne College Northern Israel Tour because we couldn't go to Jerusalem, we couldn't go anywhere up south. Yeah. Um, it was a whole wow. shtick, like everywhere, like our entire itinerary was changed because, mm-hmm. um, you know, of the safety of the country. So um, and it- just a just question, by the way. So you're... You're 21 currently, yeah? Or do yeah. You're, yeah. 21. So, you, you, so you're technically the year above. So when, because yeah. you're saying 2014, you're in, 20, in year nine. Um, so I, I'm just thinking back. I, I just, during that, um, that Gaza war at that point, or yeah, it was the Gaza war. You've been in year eight. Yes, I would have been year eight. So right now we're in the same, we're in the same year. So just for context, for those who didn't know, just throwing this back out there um, John and I went to went to JFS together for two years that's where originally we went you're about then, to call JFS Yeshiva no because I was going to say I was going to say Reisha, uh, Yeshiva and Reisha but then I went back first I realised that we met before that so uh, John and I John and I John and I have been through things we've been through tough tough times in uh, the Escobar effect uh, so <laughs> yeah, you better we're going to shout out Yossi yeah. <laughs> Hello, been, what about, me, what about me a Curtis Fox? What about me yeah. a Curtis Fox? How dare you? Yeah, <laughs> long but not forgotten. Um, yeah, so we um so we were in JFS together for two years. We did yeah. in most most classes we were together and then we went to Yeshiva together. So Correct. during that time, so we were in we were in the same year. So yeah. do you wanna and we're gonna get I'm assuming we'll get back into it, but so at what point in time did you change years then? And was that due to the complications so, of the surgery? As a result of my heart surgery, of which I practically lost the whole of year 10 mm-hmm. um, and year 11 because I started messing around and I just sort of lost interest in education. Mm-hmm. You know, partially at the same time, I lost trust in God a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I, I didn't do very well with my GCSEs, my my, uh, my grade 11 scholarships. Um, so we took the decision that rather than me, you know, that the best thing for me to do was to go to a college called West Hart College for mm-hmm. a year. Um, it's the only football thing I'm going to say currently, which is that being close to what FLSC meant, I had a very solid Mincha spot in the winter every day. The next best thing to a show. Mm-hmm. Or on a match day, a better thing than a short. I called it, I called it, I called it the real McDush Mart. Um, <laughs> but um, yes, I went there for a year. It was, uh, you know, it was more sort of a reset year for me. Getting my mind back in order. Um, socially, things have gone very wrong for me a little bit. So just get myself back in order, sort of deal yeah. with PTSD of the heart surgery, which was, you know, significant. Mm-hmm. It's still present today. Um, and um, yeah, then so, go have so fresh there, start in your eleven. In, in, in so Jeff there, Esther. you you um, told I remember discussing this. We said you dealt with a lot of anti-Semitism in West Wales. Is that correct? Yeah, that was that was so, there, there, there was anti-Semitism. Yeah. So do you want to give some context to that? What what exactly happened? Well, we're going to delve back into the there heart surgery. There were side. plenty of Holocaust remarks there. Yeah. Um, there was once. Why do you think? One... Why do you think it was directed? At, do you think you were outwardly? Was it because you're outwardly Jewish? Like, what was the? Uh, so unfortunately, did you get into conversations with them about it, or was it all not directed unfortunately, straight? but fortunately, not unfortunately, but fortunately, I always wore my kippah, and mm-hmm. it was always sort of quite proud to show off my Judaism, but not just in the way that I dress, but also in the way that I speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would always be quite confrontational if somebody ever sort of questioned why I did something in a certain way, not in an aggressive way, but I always wouldn't be sort of shy to let them know why, but maybe not in the best way. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, there's anti- anti-Semitism is a really, really terrible thing, but unfortunately, very prominent in society right now. And mm-hmm. I wasn't... And it's probably all seen as a joke geared. at that point. Yeah, and I wasn't, I wasn't geared, A, in terms of my maturity, but be in terms of having had, you know, in terms of having conversations on how to deal with it, mm-hmm. in, 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 in learning how to deal with it. And I either said, sometimes I said the wrong thing and these people are immature as well. When you put two mm-hmm. immature people together, that spells trouble. And that's probably yeah. what caused the anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, I knew it was a temporary thing. Do you think it was, do you think it was, it was malicious when they were saying it and dub, like very specifically because you were Jewish or do you think it was like, as in, do you think they, they were much, they were really being anti-Semitic, or do you think they were just that was their way to cause trouble and stuff like that? Do you like do you think it was really like it was coming from the heart? Mumish, mumish. I I think it, it was a combination of mm-hmm. they were out there to cause anti-Semitism, and I was there to entertain the fight. Mm-hmm. I uh, and 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 I don't think anyone who wants to say anyone anyone who thinks otherwise, like I wasn't perfect in any situation that I encountered. Mm-hmm. And I definitely said the wrong things, which triggered them more and almost provoke a reaction. Yeah. And when you when you outwardly provoke a reaction, it's impossible to know whether something is malicious or not in that situation. Sure. So sure. it's something I guess I'll never know. But actually, you don't. It's not you. You don't want to think about whether you'll never ever know it or not. It's more about yeah. how you grow and how you respond from that. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I know is I've learned from my mistakes and how I deal with something like that. In terms of how I respond to somebody who may not be thinking from the same page as a Jew or yeah. may not be out there to be best mates with the Jews or with any Jew. You, and, and yeah, Do you think your relationship with Hashem grew in a time when it, you're being so confronted with anti-Semitism? As in, do you think the fact that you had to defend yourself constantly helped you in your growth and connection to him? Or do you think if anything, it caused you it to, was... uh, on, the, on the other hand, I don't want to put words in your mouth, like what, do you think it had any effect or nothing really at all? So honest, like, you're, ask, it, you're asking a great question. I think the answer to it is very simple. I, 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 at the time, I was going on a journey of rebuilding my trust in Hashem. Mm-hmm. So do we? And, and, do, and do I, we want I to think, joke, Do we want to go back then to before so we can we can link it all together? Yeah, we can. Your, we can put trust some in Hashem and tie it together. Yeah, we can mm-hmm. put it. We can put some I, I, I assume. I assume that. From the fact that you're saying you had to rebuild your trust in Hashem, that would assume that it was broken down. And I, I, you were saying before as well that like it, you did, you definitely were like upset at Hashem, like having making go through all of this. So do you want to go through that journey I a little bit? Going to, 
I went I went through a period of time where I was literally davening for the sake of davening. Almost my dad wouldn't get angry with me, mm-hmm. but without any kavana and literally without having any amuna, mm-hmm. um, any amuna, any betachon, I didn't have any of it. Um, mm-hmm. Just sort of, yeah, go back on ourselves a little bit. Do you want to, just by the way, we like to uh, give context to uh, and translate um, a little bit, just because um, the audience, we're still working the audience out. So just for those um, who might not know, amuna is belief belief in Hashem and betochen is trust in Hashem. So I was told, I was told by my mom actually, that we, I've got to be careful when you talk yeshivish, just cause not often, often like I assume people, everyone like understands exactly what their, everything means in context. Never but, make any yeah. assumptions. Yeah. Cause I, I, I only learned, betochen I only learned um, four months ago. I remember Rob Ellie, so um, the Rosh Shiva, or, like the, um, the Mashkiach of, um, I think he's the Mashkiach. Yeah, he's the um, um of um of Rasha. So he um he did he does a, a Shana Bet like the second year program, like um a Musa for us. Um and he like did a very big thing on the Tokhon. And ever since then, like I had no idea what it meant. And ever since then, that's like you remember Sam Last? So we're giving Sam Last a shout out. So me and Sam Last yeah. have like a, a thing, like just like we we just came back from Erzisoro, um, and we had like the the Hashkacha protest, like the hell from Hashem there, like, was crazy, the fact that we got there, and just, I, like, I kept on saying to him, just, like, have a token, have a token, just trust Hashem, if we're meant to be there, we get there, it's like, just, yeah, I'm trying to give context and stuff like that, so I apologise, I apologise if this is mansplaining, uh, that's not the, I'm just, uh, I'm not completely sure what I need to do and what I don't, but it's part of the growing as the podcast. Can I just Sorry. say, though, when it comes to, when it comes to both, when it comes to Emuna and Betochen, Mm-hmm. there are loads of different perspectives which I see it from and almost mm-hmm. every single one is valid yeah and I, I almost think that in what actually sense? the spine the spine and pinnacle of Judaism is Emunah and that mm-hmm. that's always been my personal opinion mm-hmm. as I'll go on and explain shortly with my story mm-hmm. um, so, so take so take us back take us back a little bit so we're just you were just going in on how in year nine you were just after the fire happened so you yeah. this is pre so this is pre, yeah you've been on YCIT you hadn't you hadn't had a good time so I'd had a great time on YCIT but I'd obviously been quite homesick because of what was going on sort of mm-hmm. the other side of my life if you want to call it yeah from YCIT mm-hmm. um, YCIT was also an unsettling experience because of what was going on up north uh, um, up north down south um, yeah well, do you want to start your video again sorry Mike. yeah just. What? so yeah. yeah with what was going on in israel at the time it was obviously unsettling but i had a great time i was probably the loudest guy on my bus not that's very hard <laughs> and i was really really enjoyed I, re- I you know i had a really really good time so i came mm-hmm. back to end of july now uh and then sort of now the grand countdown to the big appointment now my parents didn't tell me the date of the big appointment because um they didn't want me to stress about it, whatever. But I was able to feel and sense when it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it unfortunately got leaked by a family member of mine. And I knew the week before. But that might have turned out to be quite a good thing. That might have been turned out to be quite a bad thing because I, I don't think I'd have responded well um, if I'd sort of been told an hour in advance that I was going for the MRI. So I was sort of ma- mentally able to prepare myself. Um, so yeah, I had the MRI, um, which was like a horrible hour long and a thing in a claustrophobic little tunnel. Is it is it that they make you drink that that weird stuff? Or do you not Don't have that one? Go there. Do yeah, not that, even go there. It's disgusting though. They make you drink like this fluid that allows your whole body to be like yeah, seen so through the MRI. So your veins get seen. Yeah, oh disgusting. I felt sick. Yeah. I felt absolutely yeah. grim. I remember um, they they, they I, would give me I, I had one once and they gave me like 10 cups to drink of it. You just feel every time you drink it, like, I don't know if you ever watched Harry Potter, but like that scene with Dumbledore, like in the sixth movie where he's like keeping drinking, he's like, please, no more, no more. Just like remind me of that horrible stuff. But yeah, continue. So yeah, I, I yeah, I, I joined my stuff. And perhaps the worst part of the MRI was the fact that the, uh, the playlist, the music playlist wasn't working. So all I could hear for an hour and a half is, Bang, 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 Oi. bang, bang. Oi. And I couldn't get anyone's attention to say that the music was, uh, you know, was, was, wasn't was working, but yet they could yeah. speak to me. 
Um, and they had no idea what was going on on my end. How dare they? Yeah. Um, so the fact that I came out of um, of that MRI without actually flipping at anyone mm-hmm. was probably enough to warrant benching Goma at the time. Not that I knew. <laughs> um, and then sort of a week later, I had another extent, I had a couple of blood tests. I had an extensive another extensive um, ECG and an echocardiogram. And there, the news gets broken to me um, that there'd been another significant deterioration since February. Mm-hmm. And we, we have to operate within the next six months or else, unfortunately, we won't be looking at a particularly great proposition and a great mm-hmm. uh, prognosis. So I obviously flipped out. I, I, you know, I'd never been so emotional in my life. Uh, I was I was in a really, 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 really bad way up to the extent after that appointment, I wouldn't even eat a Ruben's takeaway. Um, you know, Joel's in a very bad way if he's not eating Ruben's takeaway. So it was like, it was a really like horrible moment for me. It was a horrible moment. It was the one time I'd seen my, I'd seen my dad cry in front of me um, because it's a risky surgery. It's a complex surgery. My mum also cried. It was really horrible. Mentally, I flipped, I went the other way. Um, and then I restarted school in year 10 and I sort of went into school. I, I was not sleeping. I don't think I slept at all between, I mean, the surgery took place on December the 11th. We're currently talking August 23rd, 24th. I don't think I slept at all, like between then and the surgery. The so how, long was, my how long was the recovery after the surgery? So we'll talk about the surgery in a minute, but just sort oh. of different context now. Oh, you're saying, sorry. So the MRI was December 11th and then no, August so no, no, no. was the, the uh, no, no. 20, August 23rd mm-hmm. was, the, was the MRI results. December the okay. 11th, I had the surgery. I hear. Okay. So in that time, I don't think I slept at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents definitely what, didn't what sleep. Was going, what was going through your mind in a sense of, because you're talking about your relationship with Hashem at this point, like this going was, this was in the downwards... Through, it was at that point I stopped putting on my defilin for a period of time. I think you were I angry. What was exactly. your I, I I was basically asking like all why every like you know what the point of me was. I asked like why God has literally just brought me into this world to just throw every bad thing at. I was really I was in a really really horrible place. Like my house is building site, mm-hmm. um, and I was very very unwell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really 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 nasty time and I was only getting more unwell at the time until the surgery um, and mentally it was just really really debilitating uh, you know things which I really always appreciated stopped appreciating and sort of the countdown fortunately at the time was the next it was almost a countdown till God decides that it's time to give me the next you know the next stage of his treatment on me um, whatever see, that was whatever that you see be. yourself coming out of the surgery was that like a fear that you wouldn't come out of the surgery there was you can i mean my mentors from yavna will tell you i firstly stopped entertaining myself with any of my friends in yavna i would go to my lunch and it would literally be i'd just be sitting there crying because it would be like one less lunch break of my life really? i was absolutely certain that there was going to be an ending out of this which was not going to be the one which anyone wanted and for my parents that was really really hard um, for my family, that was really, really hard. For my friends, that was really, really hard because the UK, which they knew, had just become an emotional wreck, but like justifiably. Mm-hmm. And whatever anyone said to me was going to be the wrong thing at that time because I had soaked it up in my mind that this surgery was going to kill me. Really? Um, wow. And, it and was such a tough mindset to be living in. I can do. Yeah, it was awful. I like it was absolutely awful. I woke up to school every day. I didn't want to be at home. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be anywhere. I didn't know what I wanted of myself. Mm-hmm. I had, I felt as if I had no mission in life. Um, and I had absolutely like no confidence in anything or in anyone. So it was sort of the goal was just to get me through to the surgery and just keep some element of positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I lost, I lost all faith in not just Hashem, but everyone. I started questioning what the purpose of this world is. Um, and I was having quite intense thoughts for a 14 year old, mm-hmm. um, to say, to say the least, but, you know, as I said, ones which were justifiable, but ones which were so extreme and so far gone that nobody could really crack those thoughts because 
when you're about to have something so big and so major, it's impossible to do so. Yeah. So without going into details, sort of, sort of period going between getting the news to the surgery, it was a really, really tough time. So we then get to the week before the surgery and I had a Yavna College Shabbat on YCIT reunion um, with the Mabrachem. And I went in to that Shabbat on and I remember the thing that I said, I think I said it on the Bima on a Friday night. And yeah, I was diving for Kodesh Shabbos and I said, guys, this is going to be the final Kodesh Shabbos I'm ever going to dive. Or something like that. But at the same time, there was a light bulb moment. And I don't know where this light bulb movement came from. But I, I said to myself, if there's ever a time I'm going to just give Hashem that bit of that bit of trust and show Hashem what I believe I, I, I am to this world. I believe I am to getting a full recovery. It's now. So I dove into very, very powerful Kabbalah Shabbos. Yeah. I don't think it was that good. I think I was an emotional wreck at the time. But I think from for anyone in that room, they should be able to tell you if there's one thing which came out of that Kabbalah Shabbos and that Shabbos for me as a whole was the fact that I was determined to fight every single day and every single moment and that's exactly sort of what mental the hidden mentality was behind 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 the faces of me losing trust and everything um and I remember I got called up to do master and I was in floods of tears it was a very very emotional weekend um I didn't really go to any of the activities because I was just sort of crying just wanting to get my thoughts out but there was a light bulb moment. I was willing to talk rationally. The first time when going a week into surgery, some a lot of people say they weren't surprised by it. They thought it would happen. It's quite normal. But I was very surprised looking back that I had that that, that had happened. Um, so yeah, that, that Shabbaton was incredibly moving for the right for the right reasons, I would say. Um, and it was at that point where I was told that you know, kind of that Misha Berach was given for me. Um, and I was sort of crying. I was emotional. My parents weren't there. My parents were obviously doing their own thing, having their own showers, probably stressing out, like probably wondering, like stressing out how I was coping. Um, but Yavna then kind of in the weeks, my surgery gave me a really easy week. Um, you know, not that I'd had it easy at all, uh, but it was an easier week. They told me I didn't need to, I need to go to, I didn't need to go to lessons. So anyway, like the day before my surgery, I had the pre-op um, and I saw my hospital room and I got really excited because they literally decorated my whole hospital rooms with what the colours. <laughs> um, and I was like, I was really touched by it. I was really touched. Yeah. Um, and suddenly again, suddenly there was this hint of positivity or maybe the hint of positivity came because they gave me diazepam, which is like a relaxative drug. Um, and there was this hint of positivity. And there was this hint of actually, you know what, like, I'm going to do this. And I, you know, again, and then I went home. I had a Sammy's takeaway, my final meal um, before my heart surgery. And then a family friend came over um, who basically said to me, that whatever comes out of this, just remember one thing. What knocks you makes you stronger. And I, I wasn't feeling that at the time. But think, but looking back, it really resonates with me, um, as, as I'll discuss sort of shortly. Um, but at the time, it was, suddenly, it was almost like I needed to hear it. I needed to hear it. sort of that encouragement just to keep fighting and to fight and just to be brave. And um, yeah, the next day, well, I mean, I vomited that whole night. I was vomiting out of stress, anxiety, nerves. I went to shore the next day, next morning. Um, and I, uh, you know, got called up in the Adas. Uh, and, you know, I was in tears. My dad's with me, I was in tears. Gave some tzedakah. It was, yeah, and then, I, and then I went to the hospital. From that point on, I suddenly went from being quite emotional just to very subdued and quiet. Why, I don't know. But I, I think it was because at that point, maybe I'd had that faith. I found that faith. Maybe I sort of said, if I stay quiet and just trust the process, things will come good. And then, I, and then a medical nurse came in who was a student and asked me if they could be in their surgery. And I just cracked up and asked if she was, and, and asked if she'd ever been involved in a heart surgery before. So obviously my humour hadn't gone. Yeah. But what it but what I think was, was incredibly special was before the surgery, 
they said, they, 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 they said to me, we're going to take you down for surgery in 15 minutes. But we understand as a religious Jew, you may want to pray. So we want to give you that time. And I said, hang on a second. Like, they want to give me that time just to speak to Hashem one more time. They've gone out their way to say that to me. And I sat there. Well, I stood davening Amido with my dad. And my dad was planning on davening the menu, but I think he felt at the time it was right to daven with me. And we davened, we davened, we davened. And then I went down for surgery, knocked out for four and a half hours, five hours, you know, for surgery, and then another 15 to 24 hours, um, you know, kind of in ICU. Also, during, during the surgery, my parents are really like, they're bugging out, you know, their son's going to heart surgery, risky heart surgery, they don't know if he's going to wake up, like, they don't know what it's going to be like when he wakes up. So they go, and a family friend comes, he takes them to, they take them to Selfridges, which is on Oxford Street, like a very posh shop, and uh, they just end up binge spending on things they don't need. And my parents look back, and they say that that was Hashem taking their mind off, taking their mind off things. Hashem changing the focus to them. If actually, their son is in heart surgery, they've gone out shopping on a day out. And my mom said it was very surreal looking back. Like they literally mm -hmm. just went and they just went thinking. And it was like Hashem was hypothetically putting things in their shopping basket. Which again but is may seem strange, but it makes a lot of sense. Selfridges isn't exactly the, uh, the cheapest place to be, <laughs> be sending mm -hmm. them at that point. <laughs> to be fair, they got the nicest espresso cups. Uh, my mom has <laughs> never, never, never admitted and has said that in her life, she will never, ever show anyone the receipt. <laughs> um, however, at the same time, my parents look back at that receipt and they say, like, that receipt was Hashem. That was Hashem. That was Hashem getting them a present, telling them to treat themselves for being amazing parents and for doing their best. I woke up. It was a Thursday night. I speak to my brother, speak to my family, my grandparents, family friends come and see me in ICU. I got no idea I was flying until do you did you like sort of realize that okay wait I'm here I'm alive is that like sorry that's what goes the, next, your... the, the first time since heart surgery I really knew I was alive with an ICU when my dad made Kiddush next to me on Friday night really but what was that moment? that was 36 after uh, was it 30 hours after heart surgery mm. open heart surgery my Why dad did made, that hit my you? dad blessed me and he just came and he sang Shalom Aleichem next to me. Um, and then he made Kish. That really hit me. And it hit me because I just, it was my first memory of ICU. And it's like, what the first memory to have? Like, again, that was God. I think mean, that God must have had something to do with that. God wanted me to see the beauty of Shabbos. Yeah. God, that like God wanted your me to feel now Shabbos. Yeah. It was actual Shabbos, actual Shabbos. God wanted me to yeah. see now Shabbos. God felt I needed a Shabbos. So he gave it to me. And I'm, you know, I was meant to be in ICU for four days. But after that moment, suddenly I started really good making a massive improvement. An improvement to the extent that I was able to firstly leave hospital a few days earlier than initially scheduled, but I was also able to leave ICU on Shabbos day and was able to be in the room and actually have my, my first meal since heart surgery for Shabbos lunch. And it was just a bowl of chicken soup, the Jewish penicillin. But again, it was sunny, almost incredible that the first meal I have following heart surgery is, is, is a Shabbos meal. Obviously, I didn't have a whiskey for Kiddush. Don't think I had any grape juice. But the Chaim that came just from being able to have lunch with my father was incredible. And my mum, the halachas of, you know, child being in hospital and how you can communicate you know, was sort of, there were lots of heterium given by our family rabbi and my mum found out through the nurse leaving a message on the answer phone in the house. And when the, when the phone was going to ring, you always fear the worst when you're on my mum's side at home. And she said again, like, that was one of her most special moments. And she came down straight away after Shabbos with a nice big box for me. And uh, what was in that big box? Cheeky little Alex box. Not the point. <laughs> um, hey, listen, all but, up getting in heart surgery just for the Xbox. Yeah, it was just for the Xbox. A ton of chocolate, and uh -huh. that's why I used to be fat. Um, <laughs> whatever. Um, it goes journey from fat to, was the, yeah, uh, fat to thin. I went to gym thin. this morning. I was proud of myself. 
my boy. Yeah, so family, my family come and they come see me. And on a Sunday morning, I, I put my head to fill in on for the first time. And I say the brachas and I say the shema. And all the, that's all I had the energy to say. No, I, I put filling on my right arm normally. But on both arms, there were drips and stuff, so I couldn't. And so I just put filling on my on, on my head. I put my shower rush on. And again, I said the shema, said the brachas. And I, I just felt that at that point, I just looked into the sky. I must have looked into the sky where I did sunny and I just screamed. I love you. I, I, the question is, who do I love? But I must have said, I love you to somebody. And maybe that person was Hashem. Um, just yeah, what now, caused that moment? I, drugs. <laughs> That's fair. I was That's high on fair. something. Morphine yeah. does some very interesting things to you, as does laughing gas. Uh-huh, I hear and so, during this time, you, was, you were in a lot of pain. That's why you were on so it. I was very, very, very physically resilient. Mm-hmm. I'm a very physically resilient human being. Almost too physically resilient. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I'm just screaming in the air, I love you. And I'd already told my parents how much I love them. Thanking them for everything. That must have been just me just thanking Hashem, especially when it's been able to fill in on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's not, I don't know what it's. So that, that's really one of those going, moments that really like stuck with you and like changed your journey. It's one of those moments which just I wouldn't say it changed my journey because I, I don't think I don't know how aware of it, it was at the your, time. Yeah. But it was definitely something to look back on mm-hmm. in terms of my true Emuna at the time. Yeah. I had the true trust I had. Um I just thought I, I don't want to go to the hospital, I mean, I mean, hospital, my food, I wasn't eating hospital homolis meals, there was Rubens around the corner, so I was sort of living off Rubens chicken soup, and my dad was saying to my mom that I needed a salty sandwich, just so we could have two, um, <laughs> he loves it, he loves it, um, so yeah, um, and you know, I was released from hospital a few days later, I was obviously very, very tired, still quite a bit of pain, and the recovery was only going to be on the up. Um, and obviously I'd had a few follow-up appointments, things in Abu Hashem, very, very stable. It was a very, very traumatic period. There were small, obviously small complications in hospital here and so there. This was, this was 2015 at that point? What, it was like so I January got released, 2015? I got, I, got released, I got released on the uh, 18th of December, and I was meant to get released like near before, close to Christmas. Really? Because um, you went in on December 11th. But what was really poignant, actually, about the date that I got released, was first night Hanukkah. Really? I got released. Wow. And we know that now Hanukkah is a festival of miracles. And I, I, I think there's something again, another just really, it just showed that God was been my side the whole time. And then to sort of now bring us into Yeshiva a little bit, where I sort of really started to make sense of it. We, we learn, I think it's in the fifth or the sixth daf, Ahmed Aleph, it's either Hey or Dalad. Dalad or Hay of Gamar Brachas, Ahmed Olive, Ellie will be very proud. But we learn about the uh, concept of um, Yisurim, suffering. Alongside that, hold that thought, the, uh, the first Bracha after Baruchu, Yosef of Rechoshech, Yosef Shalom, blessed are you, Hashem, the God who is our King of the world, who, who, forms, who forms light, creates darkness, and who makes peace and creates all. I look back at that and that's a very, 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 very powerful bracha. Because what that bracha means is it it, it shows that actually the, the whole, the, the life which we live, the whole world which we live in is just a cycle where we experience happiness, we experience suffering, we experience dark, darkness. We, um, you know, we, 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 we experience all forms of emotion but actually, God, the, the emotion, the way, the intensity in which you feel that emotion is set by God at a point in which he believes you can handle. And I look back at that and, and, I, and I say, that, actually, do you know what? Like, looking back down the line, like, I wouldn't be the person I am now. I wouldn't have gone through any of that. I wouldn't have lost faith in God. I wouldn't have gone through heart surgery. I wouldn't have had my house burned down. It wasn't for God thinking and believing in me that I could deal with those challenges again what knocks you make you stronger 
you know it's true when you lose when you lose the faith and have to rework yourself it becomes genuine it becomes something out of truth and i think yeah i think i'm almost privileged that god put me through that because actually it's made me who i am now it's made mm -hmm. me love him that much more it's made the kavana in my tefillah that much stronger there, there's something just incredibly in, incredibly powerful that comes that, that comes with the experience that i've been through and when you experience something you know so sort of traumatic so debilitating and sort of so long-winded in the way that i did in, in both the pain and the joy that comes with it you almost feel a sense of you, you know a, a sense of gratitude frustration um but 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 all of which sort sort of goes on this journey to actually just feeling alive i feel what do i mean by that i feel alive i feel like i felt feel like a real person i've come to feel like i have a story to tell i've come to feel like actually i've been on this journey i've come to the destination on the journey i've come through it on a stronger person but most of all i've come on this journey appreciating what's important to me in life and what my true values are in life I, I can tell people what the power of Hashem is, what the power of Tefillah is. There were people on the day of my heart surgery which went to Dublin for me in the Kota. There were people which went and went out of their way to learn from me. There were people in yeshivas which did a Yom Yom from me. There were people everywhere which went out their way, who I'm immensely thankful for. But all of that is what made, has made me really believe in, 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 in what is a very genuine, genuine world that we live in. But in the genuine world that we live in, there is somebody pulling the strings behind the scenes, and that's Hashem. And the strings that Hashem are pulling for you as a person are the ones which he believes he needs to pull for you. Because in the same way that when you, um, in, in the same way that when a teacher sets you questions, a tutor sets you questions, you know, ahead of a maths exam, which they, they believe will challenge you but not overwhelm you. I think God did the same with me. I think you almost expect me to be overwhelmed in a way that I am, but overwhelmed to the extent that I will come out of it a much more positive, with a much more positive outlook and a much more loving outlook on him. But loving outlooks, so I can get other people to love him. And, and I think that's for me something which I, you know, I trust, which I still think about now. That was, that was truly incredible. Like, honestly, firstly, I just want to say thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for like for allowing me to be here with you and just hear this journey and this story because it just it truly is incredible. Like the fact that like you understand this all about your own journey and stuff and see the nuances and and everything within your growth is just it truly is incredible. And like it just like firstly also call a to your parents because like they they must have been going through just the toughest of times like. The house burning down. Arguably, they you're had going through the surgery. <laughs> yeah, it was like definitely on par. Heart surgery for for someone, but for their is like hard. But for their parents, of course, it's like it's, it's traumatic for them. Can I just, just say? Can I just say? Can I just say the house fire was more of an inconvenience than anything else? In what sense? In, in the sense of what I was going through. Yeah, I hear it. Just is another one of the challenges that Hashem was putting through, and uh, like, the world is just Hashem testing you it's exactly when, when it's, it's often hard to get a reward it's often hard to see to see like at the time like hashem's love like when when such hard things are happening and so it's just incredible to come out of it and just see it in hindsight all the chesed that he was doing like during that time like there what would you say the best thing that came out of the house by uh, burning down other than your tv and the uh, uh what else did you get from it and the computer uh tv computer because the bathroom the bathroom got redid yeah we, we have redid we, a couple years ago yeah we didn't we didn't really delve so much into um the Watford and all your friends there um i don't think unfortunately we're gonna have time we can we can but, quickly we can quickly what i will say actually i, I don't know if it's necessarily the point yeah but sort of keeping it brief when it comes to mental health Watford fc was a very very good distraction for me i became yeah. friends with a few of the players um, became very, who I'm still close with now, but I think having the right, you know, 
meant meant you know for me it was my heart surgery wasn't just a physical illness it was also meant it, it created it turned into a mental illness mm -hmm. and what FC was very much the treatment of my mental illness which I know some people might be laughing but actually like it's very you know what yeah. actually give you something often, to devote yourself to and yeah often having yourself. something to distract you is part of the the process of fighting yeah I'm not just just dovening is incredibly powerful you need you need something else to distract you and I yeah. think mentally I'm still suffering right now but the one thing that always is with me today is my love for Hashem will never go Wow, that's incredible, Joe. My, um, the amount I admire him. I think we're. I think we're gonna have to end it off. Yeah, here. you said off an hour. No. Yeah, that was the plan. But it's just it was too much of an incredible story to stop. Um, and like I'm sure you've inspired the uh, hundreds of people, the millions of people that are listening to his podcast. Um, I'm not. But... I'm not. I'm not encouraging them to go create themselves a leaky valve so they can. Uh, <laughs> That is, that is very good of you. Thank you for putting that disclaimer at the end. <laughs> um, Shuri, thank you so much. Um, I think we're going to um, hopefully post this um, either today or tomorrow. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Um, and yeah, I hope you, you have any this. final words you want to share with everyone. Any part, words of wisdom to part with? Um, yeah, I mean, a couple of things. Firstly, if any of you have been affected by any of what I've discussed, feel free to uh, reach out to Avi um, into the podcast and I'm happy for him to give you my details. Um, and, and secondly, sort of my, my parting message is, you know, there is some, there is a purpose to life for every single person in this world. And even if you don't think that actually you can compare any experience you're having to me, either it's going to come, but it's going to come later in life, but actually you are definitely experiencing something, but whatever you're experiencing is because God believes that you need to experience that at the time. And the true message actually is that life is just a roller coaster, almost as scary as stealth at Thought Park. Um, and to try and enjoy and take in and soak up every single moment, because if you do that, then you are achieving God's mission. But more importantly, it's so important, so vital, that you never lose sight on the world you live in, the people you love, and the fact your that there's actually somebody, your worth, well, sure. worth but the fact that there's somebody up there that is giving you things because it's at the right time for you, giving to you, giving them to you, giving these challenges to you, or these awards rewards to you for a reason, and to always remain privileged for the life that you're living, however good or bad it is, because as it says in Messias Yisraim, your life in this world is just on what you're just going through a massive corridor. You're going to really reap the rewards in the world to come. Yeah, Joel, what, what a beautiful way, way to end this. Thank you so much. No problem. See you all.